Hell is not something that God uh, desired. It's something that, that's needed, but it, and we'll get to that. But it's not something He desires, and um, you know, it's it, it's a it's a it's something that's not meant to make us feel happy or good. So if that's where anyone's trying to get, I just want to tell you, friend, you're not going to get there. You're not meant to. Welcome to the Light Switch Podcast by Illuminate Student Ministry, a place for the skeptic, Bible believer, as well as everyone in between. As you know, our world is often in the dark. Our hope is to flip the switch on topics surrounding biblical engagement, apologetic arguments, spiritual formation, and emotional wellness. We want Jesus Christ to illuminate every aspect of your life so that you can shine the light of Christ in every situation. Hell is a tremendously difficult thing to talk about. And today, we are trying to tackle the idea of how can a good God send people to hell. And so, uh, before we jump in, uh, right off the gun, let's get this out of the way. Like, subscribe, share, all of the things. Uh, You can also comment on um, Spotify now. We would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, on this particular episode. So uh, scroll down uh, right there on the on this particular episode, and there's a little Q&A spot that says, what do you think of this episode? We would love to hear what your thoughts are on how we handled this doctrine of hell and how we understand, how we communicated the idea of what it, how we communicated to tackle the question of how can a good God send people to hell? Uh, and I say we, uh, because my partner in crime, yep, that's right, he's back. The notorious, nefarious, um, some or other negatively sounding acronym, or uh, not acronym, uh, adjective, uh, Randy Pister. Hello. The uh, What did you say the other day about the attorney general? You said something, what, what's, his, what's his role? He's the top cop. Top cop, right there, man. That's, that's what they call the AG. A- the AG is the top cop. <laughs> <laughs> so, Randy, uh, for those of you who haven't been here or haven't been uh, jumping along with us, Randy is our resident apologist. You have a master's from Biola University, right? Talbot yep. School of Theology. In apologetics. Yep. In apologetics. Uh, you are a uh, masquerading lawyer by day and a closet awesome dad at night, right? <laughs> is that... <laughs> On the latter part, I hope so. I do masquerade during the day. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, so let's uh, jump in. Randy, I, I honestly, I cannot follow God. I cannot believe in a God that is supposed to be an all-loving, all-caring, wonderful, good being who sends people to hell. So help our audience out by helping us understand how to tackle this question with a friend, if you will. Yeah, that's a great, great way to put it. Um, it captures the, the emotion of the question, and you'd, anyone who would say that would certainly be in good company in the sense that many have said that before and thought that before. And it, it, admittedly, this is a f- at the outset, I want to say two things. One, this is a very um, often written about, no small amount of ink has been spilled on this topic over the centuries, yeah. not just in Christianity, but in, in Judaism and wanted to go even more broadly to other monotheistic faiths like Islam, you know, yeah. they, they have a doctrine as well. And um, so anything we say here is going to be necessarily incomplete due to the, the needed brevity. There's, there's quite a lot to tackle and right. 
Right. And secondly, it's a very fearsome doctrine, and uh, we're never going to feel comfortable with it. I don't think we're meant to. Yeah. You know, hell is not something that God uh, desired. It's something that, that's needed, but it, and we'll get to that, but it's not yeah. something he desires. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that's not meant to make us feel happy or good. So right. if that's where anyone's trying to get, I just want to tell you, friend, you're not going to get there. You're not meant to. Right. But yeah. so to unpack that question, how can a good, how, do you phrase, how, how can a good and loving God send, send people, people to hell? To hell. So first, we need to d- define some terms. That's not just a, a, a delaying tactic of philosophers and attorneys. It's actually really, really. That's what we need to do. <laughs> what we need to do is so we don't talk past each other. So in terms of God, I think we've talked about this before in a podcast previously. God is a he's a, a maximally great being. He's he's yes. which means he's the greatest being that we can conceive of. And so, a lot of times you'll hear all these omnis and or meaning like all or, or infinite, not in yeah. a, a quantitative sense, but in a qualitative sense. So Correct. he's he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. He's yeah. omniscient. He's all knowing. Um, so God. So one, God is a maximally great being Two, When we say that God is loving or how can a loving God, the term there that you'll see theologians use. And here I'm looking at uh, Norman Geisler's treatise is he's omnibenevolent. So he's yeah, he's um all, all good. encompassing goodness. All good. <laughs> and so in, in in Greek, the term is agape. It's used of as love. It means benevolence, kind of like a, a selfless, sacrificial love. But I think the better term comes from Hebrew, which is chesed. Did yep. I pronounce that right? Was there enough of a glottal you stop in there? The, you needed to get a little bit more back in the throat. Chesed. Chesed, yeah. But it's, <laughs> it's the idea of, of goodness, affection, goodwill, yep. loving kindness, or tender loving kindness, and in, yep. in, in the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's like his never stopping, never breaking, always and forever, never giving up, untiring love. Like this yeah. really long string yeah. of words, but it's this idea of like his tender loving kindness. And <laughs> I, I struggle every time, for those of you who don't know, the Jesus Storybook Bible is easily one of the greatest children's Bibles ever written. Yeah, it's, um, it's fantastic. And every time I read that description of God's love, I can barely get through it because I am always choked up because I'm sitting there reading it to my son and my daughter, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is exactly what it is." I'm cool. You're, I'm not crying. You're crying. You know, yep. <laughs> so it's it's terrible. I don't know why. It's just so great, but yeah. Okay, so so what you're saying, Randy, is you're saying that God. That is how God's. That that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a maximally great being who, as Geisler says, is omnibenevolent. And that he has this love that is always and forever, never stopping, never ceasing, never is completely unbreaking type of love. Yeah, and, it, and love is of his essence. And, you know, kind of the classic verse on that is 1 John 4, 16, you know, yeah. God is love. It's repeated several times, I think, in 1 John 4. And yeah. there are lots and lots of other verses about God's love, Old Testament, New Testament. Right. Um, you know, yeah, First John 4, 8, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Not that just that he's loving. Right. Like it's some sort of property, but it's it's like an, yeah. an essential property. Right. So not some, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is still, you know, the love chapter. And again, it's, it's read at weddings, and I, I don't begrudge anyone that. Sure, sure. But it's really Paul sort of rebuking the Corinthians. Yeah. As, um, who's the guy that does the intro Greek? Um, Mounts. Bill Mounts, Mounts is yes. pointing this out. You yep. know, it's Paul sort of like politely, rebu- yes. maybe not so politely, rebuking them and saying, this yes. is what love really looks like. Correct. Yeah. And so if we want to unpack <laughs> what it is, what it's not, but in, in his essence, God is love. And then so there's a the question of, you know, I guess we talk about what send somebody to hell. There's an idea of sending because yeah. I don't think that's actually what's going on. And then right. there's what's hell. Real quick, though, we got to rewind. You just dismantled basically every wedding <laughs> that <laughs> ever read that as a. 
uh, an archetype for their their marriage, which is hilarious because every time it's read, I always just look at Katie and she looks at me like, "No, stop it, stop it right now." Well, it's <laughs> it's it's worth reading at a at a wedding of all places because that's where yeah. you need to live this out <laughs> exactly. the most exactly. in exactly. the marriage covenant. But exactly. it's not a it's not a happy no. In context, it's not a happy passage. He's rebuking <laughs> yeah. a church with a lot of a lot yeah. of moral problems and yeah, failings. Exactly, exactly. But it's just funny because most people don't know the historical context yeah. and they're like, mm. but it's still a valid application. It is, it is, it is, it is. But anyway, so let's move on. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the next question then is is okay. Wh- and I think we tackled this. What do we mean by loving God? And we we've talked about that. We mean that a God that is maximally great. And that has to have the property of love. Like it's a part of his actual essence. This is his nature. So we cannot just remove that love. And that means then that everything God does, every act he has or is doing uh, is, is done in an act of love with love as its foundation. Okay. So but, now, but it's know. not his only property. And, Correct. And that's going to be key here. It he has is. many others. Another one of them is holiness. Another yes. one is justice. Yes. And the holiness, and one of the things I love about the book of Leviticus is there's a problem that's been established in Exodus. Is that uh, in Exodus, the people cannot be in unity with God. And so he sets up all of these. So, so you see it at the very end. The Bible Project points this out beautifully with their wonderful graphics and, and all of their, their commentary. But they point out that Moses cannot speak to God in the, tem- in the tabernacle. And God's presence has descended onto the tabernacle. And Moses cannot speak to God in the tabernacle. And that's how the book of Leviticus starts. And then the book of Numbers starts with, and God spoke to Moses in the tabernacle. And I love how Tim Mackey says it. It literally is like, it worked. The book of Leviticus worked. There was a standard set for God's holiness, and now God's people could maintain that standard and could enter into the presence of God without fear of being destroyed as long as they took seriously God's holiness. So then the next question, Randy, would have to be, how can a good God, we could tackle the good God, the next question would be, how can a good God send someone to hell? Yeah, so let me, let me sort of, not um, defang might be the, the, the wrong word, but let's talk about what hell is before we talk about the sending. I mean, okay. just, I'll say at the outset, I don't think God sends anyone there. I think people yeah. choose to go there. Okay. Which may sound like a cop out or a dodge or an yeah. aversion, but it's it's really not. Um, yeah. I'll just read the the quote now, and then um, yeah. we can come back to it later. But there's Love a it. brilliant philosopher, generation ago, I believe at UC Berkeley. He taught J.P. Moreland, who in his own right is a first rate Christian philosopher. But a guy named Dallas Willard, uh, he writes this. He says, "I am thoroughly convinced that God will let everyone into heaven, who, in his considered opinion, can stand it." Or C.S. Lewis said, "The doors of hell are locked on the inside." Hmm. It's that the, the people in hell don't want to be in heaven, in yeah. other words. So it's, it's fundamentally, you know, it, is it a happy place? No. Is it a, is it a, a, a good place? No. It, it's the bad place. So that's why we object to the idea of God sending people there. I, again, right. I don't think he sends people. We, we'll come back to that. Yeah. But what is this place that we're so averse to and that, yeah. that causes this, 
sort of, you know, concern or outrage or right. questioning of, you know, how can a loving God send people there? Because yeah. I think there's a lot of misconception about what hell is and what it isn't. Yeah. So hell. Okay. Hell um, goes by a lot of different names. Yeah. Or, or there, I should say that there are a lot of terms that are kind of associated or linked to hell in some yeah. way. So you've got Sheol, you've got Gehenna, you've got the pit, you've got Hades, you've got Tartarus. Yep. You, you obviously have have hell, you have the lake of fire, yep. um, all these things. And then, so, I mean, Sheol, for example, is a, it's an Old Testament term. It, it kind of refers more broadly to, um, at, at some points, the, the realm or the place of the dead. Yeah. The Greek mythological underworld is what yeah. I see. Yeah, Hades, Abraham's bosom is another one. Yep. And there's Tartarus, which is more like from Greek mythology. It's where the, the Titans went, but it shows up, um, I think, yeah. in Second Peter and maybe in Jude. Okay. Because there are tie-ins there to the Watchers and yeah. First Enoch. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, which would be an incredible yeah. podcast. <laughs> but we would have to do so <laughs> much more research for that, though. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, it is a specific place. Uh, it's not just a state of mind. Right. Hopefully, if your listeners is not listening to this podcast, that's not what hell is. Um, <laughs> yeah, according to according to the Lexham Bible Dictionary, and uh, this is this is what it says: according to the to biblical teaching, hell is the state where those who do not have faith in Christ are consigned to suffer eternally. Listening to Matthew and Randy's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's not that last part. I obviously I added, but um, Lexham Bible Dictionary knows about us, dude. We're big time. Um, we've made it. We've made it. Yeah, but the one, yeah, the one thing I would change there is that word suffering. Yeah. Um, so just so we're clear, yeah. this is what it says. It says hell is the state where those who do not have faith in Christ are consigned to suffer eternally. And you're saying, well, well two qualifiers there. First, uh, it's I guess in a, in a well. I don't like the part about not having faith in Christ because, again, it raises the question of what about all the Old Testament saints who clearly yeah. are like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You read yeah. Hebrews 11. There are lots of Old Testament saints who are in heaven, didn't know the name of Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, so I, I would Ooh, say it's good. Sort of people who don't have a— I didn't even think about that. People who are unrepentant or don't have a saving faith in God, something like that. Yeah. You, you don't want to condemn the guy in the jungle that was hungry for truth. Right. Uh, or, right. or the you know just the, the Old Testament saints, th- right. th- things like that. And secondly, it's not suffering. So much of what we think about hell mm-hmm. comes from really one small thing. I think one really, really big thing, and not to mention movies, but I think it's the Gospel of Peter. It has some pretty dramatic, but just to be clear, there are over 50 Gospels out there that are yeah. pseudepigrapha. They're, they're, they're false writings. They're, right. they're not canonical. They're not inspired texts. They're not yeah. even historically reliable. They're written right. much, much later, centuries after Christ. They're, yeah. they're Gnostic in many cases. And so you and know, you're referencing one of those. Yes. Gospel Gnostic, Peter. So like gospel Jesus comes out of this tomb. He's as tall as the, the clouds. You've got a walking, yeah. talking cross. Yeah. But there's some very fiery language about hell. But I really think Dante's Inferno, the divine the, comedy yeah. of Dante Alighieri, the brilliant Italian writer. Yep. So much of what we think about hell comes from that. It's depicted as a fiery torture chamber. It's depicted as a place of, you know, like people on spits and God yep. is like this sadistic dungeon master guy. That's right. just, you know, tormenting people that's not hell yeah that's not even close to it and you get movies like you know hellboy yep. spawn which i loved yep. as a teenager <laughs> constantine with yep. with uh, keanu reeves and so many other you know yep. movies where people are uh good omens the the amazon yep. oh yep yep show yep. where yeah. you've got angels and demons kind of working working together work. to try to stop the world from being destroyed <laughs> so it's it has all these depictions in, in popular culture and in literature and 
but it is a place of regret and, and sorrow. And so when you hear weeping and gnashing of teeth, that's not people grinding their teeth in agony and pain. It's people gnashing their teeth in regret, remorse, sorrow. It is a place of sadness and remorse, but not, it's not a fiery torture chamber. In fact, would, would you also consider it a place of anger as well? Yeah. Where people are so angry that they're there. Um, yeah. And not, angry, and angry not, at God and angry at each other. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like this place of pure, unadulterated or adulterated, I guess that's probably the right way to say it, unadulterated anger that just is seeped into your soul. More than that, it's a place where, you know, God is omnipresent, so he's, he's aware of what's going on there. That's really yeah. what that means. He's not right. everywhere physically present. He's, he's aware of and, and in control and sovereign over all of creation, all, of creation, at, yeah. all places at all times. Yeah. But in hell, the, the uh, notion of, like, common grace or, like, yeah. uh, the, the work of the Holy Spirit's absent from yeah. that place. Yeah. Okay. So imagine taking the Holy Spirit away from a whole bunch of people forever. Like, that's, that's what it is. But, yeah. it's, again, it's locked from the inside. Okay. It's, it's people who don't. Yeah. Um, but so it, it it is a bad place. I don't want to paint it as something right. that it, I don't want to make it more than it is. I don't want to make it less than it is. Yeah. It's Love depicted that. as a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah. And but again, the, the fire symbolic of judgment because it's also described as a place. And Don Carson and others point this out. Fire gives off light. Yeah. But it's described as a place of darkness. Oh wow. So it what we know of fire is it produces infrared rays, which is we see as light and we feel as heat. Wow. So it, it is a place of darkness because it, it really it's ultimately it's the absence of God. Mm. Again, not 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 that he's not aware of what's going on there. He's still omnipresent, right. but it's it's you're absent from him. You're, yeah. And you see this in like Luke 16. Right. I think it is with, with the parable. If it's a parable. Yeah. Scholars debate that because if it's a parable, it's the only parable where James, Jesus names a character. Because you have Lazarus there. Um, you, know, you have the rich man, yep. some call, sometimes called yeah. um, Dives, D-I-V-E-S. Anyway, yeah. you have the rich yeah. man, you have Lazarus, and he goes to to hell, and he's in torment there. Um, and then he asks for a drip of water. To cool his tongue. Wow. But he says, you know, there's a separation. I, I've I, never I, thought of that, that that's the only parable that Jesus names yeah. a, a person. So some some thinkers say, look, this is more. there's more than just a parable going on here. It is a story. <laughs> that's epic. But... Uh, okay, okay, okay. So uh, does God send people there? Does God send people there is the question that but, we're... And there is a there. It is a real place. It is a real and, place. And people are embodied there. There yes. is a... This is Revelation um, 20. It's the great white throne judgment. So Revelation 20, 11 and verses following. It, you get a body. Yep. There is a resurrection of the good and, and the bad, yep. the evil and the righteous. The righteous get a glorified body like Jesus, 1 Corinthians 15. Yep. The unrighteous still get a body, but it's not a glorified one. Right. But so hell is an embodied physical real place. Okay, so then let's jump to this thing. Can a loving, caring God, you say you have a problem with the word send because he does not send people to hell. We choose there based on our freedom. Yeah, let me, right? can I read a couple quotes? Yeah, go for it. What's this? Uh, what's this reference? So this is a book uh, by Clay Jones called "Why Does God Allow Evil?" It's a yeah. fantastic book. He was one of my professors at uh, at Talbot. He's not there anymore, unfortunately, but he sort of like his life's work. Yeah, he spent decades researching this. He's an expert. He's the, my go-to guy for, and he's naturally got several chapters on you know free will and yeah. a chapter called "How Can Eternal Punishment Be Fair?" So Clay Jones, how can okay. a good God allow evil? Uh, why does God allow? Why evil? does God allow evil? Clay Jones. This so, is particularly the chapter of, is eternal punishment fair? fair? 
Okay. So here's a quote. I'll read a couple. For example, Mark Twain. He wrote this to his wife. Quote, I am plenty safe enough in his hands. I'm not in any danger from that kind of deity. The one that I want to keep out of the reach of is the caricature of him which one finds in the Bible. We, that one and I, could never respect each other, never get along together. I have met his superior a hundred times. Talking about God. I've met his superior a hundred times. In fact, I amount to that myself. Here's Episcopal Bishop John Shelby Spung, who's a, strangely a, a bishop and a skeptic. He writes that God revealed in the Bible is, quote, a God I cannot respect, much less worship, a deity whose needs and prejudices are at least as large as my own. Eve Archbishop Desmond Tutu, he said this, quote, I would refuse to go to a homophobic heaven. No, I would say sorry. I mean, I would much rather go to the other place. Philosopher John Stuart Mill, whatever power such a being may have over me, there's one thing which he shall not do. He shall not compel me to worship him. I will call no being good who is not what I mean when I apply that epitaph to my fellow creatures. And if such a being can sentence me to hell for not so calling him, to hell I will go. Hmm. Um, you've got ACDC's Highway to Hell. You've, you know, you've, you've got uh, totally. Billy Joel, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the I mean, you just see over and over again, modern music, modern movies. Yeah. Um, the, the Ernest Henley famous poem Invictus from 1875, I'm the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Um, yeah. So here's what J.P. Morwin who I referenced earlier, says about this kind of thing. He says, If God has given people free will, then there's no guarantee that everybody's going to choose to cooperate with him. Mm. The option of forcing everyone to go to heaven is immoral <laughs> because it's dehumanizing. It strips them of the dignity of making their own decision. It denies them their freedom of choice, and it treats them as a means to an end. God can't make people's character for them, and people who do evil or cultivate false beliefs start a slide away from God that ultimately ends in hell. God respects human freedom. In fact, it would be unloving, sort of divine rape, to force people to accept heaven and God if they didn't really want them. When God allows people to say no to him, he actually respects and dignifies them. Yeah, I've, I've often said this. I mean, you look at uh, how terrible it is, the idea of Stockholm Syndrome, where you've been kidnapped for so long that you finally start to empathize and side with your captors. How terrible of a being would it be for God to be a God who's like, listen, you didn't choose me on earth. So now I'm just going to throw you in purgatory until you decide to like me, you know, and once you decide to like me, well, okay, then I'll let you in or even and purgatory is a completely different discussion than what we're talking about right now. But like how horrible of a being would that be that you didn't choose me on earth. So now I'm going to force you to choose me in in, in, yeah. in in heaven. Yeah. God gave us free will, which we believe is, is worth it. And yeah. Clay Jones has a whole chapter on that, and we see it over and over and over again in movies and in culture and yeah. in books. But yeah. when people have free will, they have the ability to abuse it, which yeah. is the source of actually that one of his points is that's where a lot of evil in this world comes from. Right. And God made us in his image. He loves us, and he yeah. respects us enough to give us the dignity of choice, even yeah. if that choice is to tell God, I don't want you. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that that conversation? I've said this several times. You have a God who's uh, omnitemporal is another one of the ideas, mm -hmm. right? He's outside of time. He is above time. He is at the beginning and at the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega, right? He's got all of those things. And he, at the end of all of the events of time, is sitting on his throne, seeing everything that's happened. And he, being outside of time, would again and again go back to the beginning of time and start it and say let there be light knowing full well all of the people who would reject him and his goodness based on free choice and that to me is i think the quintessential distinction between 
a god of any of the other world religions. Those gods all made humans for a benefit to them. God mm-hmm. made us so that we could benefit from him. And and then ultimately to enjoy him. Uh, what's the catechism, the shorter catechism? Chief unto man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Yes, that's why we have you on the podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're better than Google. Like, <laughs> glorify God and enjoy him. Exactly. And there's some people who say, I, again, I, I'll quote C.S. Lewis a lot on this because he's written about it, but... Yeah. Um, I mean, just read the screw tape letters. It's Dude. about a young demon being mentored by an older demon to send people to go to. Anyway, yeah. um, you know, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, you know, thy will be done and, and bend their knee. Yep. They're the ones who want heaven. They're going to go there. Exactly. And those to whom, you know, they say to God, look, I'm not going to bend my knee to you. And God says, okay, fine. Thy will be done. Yes. You don't want me. I'm not going to force you to have me. Right. And so that, you know, when you die in that kind of mindset, in that kind of state, You've lived a whole life separate from God. And it's like, yeah. who, who could do, you know, in, in common in common thought, it's like, who goes to hell? It's, well, it's, it's Hitler. It's people that talk <laughs> right. during movies. And it's people that, that drive really slow in the left lane of the freeway. <laughs> the people who talk in the, in the middle of movies. You know, yes, exactly. It, exactly. No one ever thinks it's them yeah. or their loved ones. Right. But, but fundamentally, it's like, who's going to hell? It's yes. pe- people who live their lives like God doesn't exist or yes. doesn't matter. Yeah. They're not always as militant as John Stuart Mill or Desmond right. Tutu or Mark Twain, but right. functionally it's a life lived as if God isn't real, isn't important, isn't there. Yeah. And God says, you live that way in this life. Yeah. I'm, I'm going, now it's like, well. Oh, this gets back to our subhuman, subway and subhuman episode where we talked about those three distinctions. You know, you've got the, you've got the horrible atrocities, uh, the tyrannical dictators who are doing horrible things. You're like, well, those guys are definitely going yeah. to hell. And then you, but then you have this middle ground of people, right? And we talked about how you have those people who live essentially ambivalent to the idea of God. But then you also, and then I, I added that you also have this other category of people. And Jesus even talks about this, that there are people who do wonderful acts of service in his name. And they, they do miracles, they cast out demons, they do healings, they do yeah. all of these things. And Jesus says, I will say to you, I never knew you. Yeah. Like, so there's these, so, and then it gets to the, um, the parable of the seeds. There's only one seed that's saved. There's only one seed of person that is described as having eternal life. And that's the seed that falls on good soil. And there's, there's only sorry. Let me rephrase that. There's only one type of soil, yep. that is that is uh, reapable, that is that is harvestable, yep. and that's the good soil. And so, then the other soils are depicted as people who go to hell, who are not saved. They wither and die. And death throughout all of Scripture is a despi- depiction of Sheol, the pit, Gehenna, all of the places we've already talked yep. about. Yeah, fundamentally, separation from God. And yeah. so heaven, you have to think about what heaven is. I mean, heaven's a place where you, God says, we'll reign with him, we'll create yeah. with him, but we'll worship him and be in his presence forever. And that, if that idea gives you hope and delight and joy, then it's for you. But for a lot of people, it's meh or yeah. 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 I, don't want, I want no part of that. And God says, I, so this is why we don't believe in annihilationism. It's that yeah. God says, look, you're made in my image. I'm not going to snuff you out of existence. Right. But you, you don't want me. You want to be... You, you want no part of me. You, I'm, not, yeah. I'm no part of your life. You so. want to be your own king. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, heaven is not the place for you. So you're going to hell. So it's, again, is God sending them to hell? It, in some sense, yes. Like yep. a, because there is a judgment and he, yep. he decides where you go. Right. But it's, it's a, it's a outworking. It's a consequence of 
thousands upon thousands of small life choices in the aggregate yielding to this final outcome. Uh, Did you live your life for God or not? Were you see that fellow in in good soil or or something else? And so it's now people might say, well, how could eternal separation from God be fair? You know, we don't send people to jail for infinity years. <laughs> I mean, I guess we send them for life, right. you know, for, for murder. Right. Um, and so there there are a couple of thoughts about that. You know, one, Clay Jones makes this point, is that the occupants of hell remain eternally unrepentant. Yeah. See, hell's a, hell's a place fundamentally for the, the people who are separate from God because they're unrepentant. Yeah. And so, again, Philippians 2 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess he's Lord. Yeah. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Yeah. In other words, in heaven and hell. Yeah. But in hell, it's unwilling. In heaven, it's willing. Yeah. And so people who are unrepentant are going to, in, in hell, are going to stay that way forever in hell. Right. Why? Because it's sort of like a quarantine zone for evil. And secondly, the Holy Spirit is not there to work in the way that he does in this world. Like in John, where he, he's convicting the world of sin and bringing people to Christ. Right. In hell, it's too late. God. We've tackled what do we mean by the word hell? We mean, and let's just summarize that question real quick. We mean hell is a literal place that is is an eternity of separation from God and his spirit. And then the second question we just tackled is how could a loving God send people to hell? And so this first portion needs to be unpacked. Does God actually send people to hell? We said no, that people actually choose to go to hell based on their freedom to make a choice, to either bow their knee in this life and worship God as their king and live according to his determined standards of goodness or to, as Adam and Eve did, buy, the, buy into the lie that you don't need God and you are autonomous and you can move um, uh, and you can be your own king. And so you will rule your own life. Well, if you rule your own life in this life, you will not have any place to rule alongside God in the next. And so does God send people to hell? No. So then the next question is, couldn't God just force us to choose him? And the answer to that is also no, because God would, God is a God who honors the human dignity of choice. And so God is not going to force anyone to choose <clears throat> For us to love him. He is going to give us that dignity. And then uh, lastly is... How, how is it fair that it's eternal? Yes, how is it fair that so, it's eternal? So this gets to the question of universalism. So the yeah. annihilationism is why doesn't he just snuff us out? You know, why does it have to be forever? Yeah. And then also like, well, why not let everyone in? Well, I, I don't think everyone will get in because I think in hell, I agree with Clay Jones here, like it, people are going to be unrepentant forever. Right. It's never going to change. Right. There's no reason why to think it would change in a place like hell. Right. And then... Secondly, you know, and he makes a good, this is J.P. Moore. By the way, this is in Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Faith, where he interviews. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, it's a chapter called God Wouldn't Send People, or an objection called God Wouldn't Send People to Hell. Yeah. So J.P. Moran points out, look, first, the, the degree of someone's just punishment is not a function of how long it took to commit the deed. It's a function of how severe the deed itself was. You can murder somebody in two seconds yeah. and get jail for life. Right. It's It's... The amount of jail time is commensurate with wow. the, the heinousness of the crime. Yeah. But here's the point he makes. that The worst thing a person can do is to mock and dishonor and refuse to love the person that we owe absolutely everything to, which is our creator, God himself. 
says, you have to understand that God is infinitely greater in his goodness, holiness, kindness, and justice than anyone else. To think a person can go through their whole life constantly ignoring him, mocking him by the way they choose to live without him, saying, I, I couldn't care less about what you put me here to do. I couldn't care less about your values or your son's death for me. I'm going to ignore all of that. That's the ultimate sin. And the only punishment worthy of that is the ultimate punishment, which is everlasting separation from God. And that's what hell is. Or, or as Alan Gomes points out, another um, Biola professor, the nature of the object against which the sin is committed, as well as the nature of the sin itself, must be taken into account when determining the degree of heinousness. So that ultimately, hell is the, the outworking of saying, look, there's this infinitely valuable good being called God. You've ignored him your whole life. That's the ultimate sin. And it, it's, an, it's an, sort of like a, a qualitatively infinite sin. Right. And so it gets, it gets an everlasting punishment. Because again, right. it's everlasting because you're not going to repent. God's not going to snuff you out. You're made right. in his image. He's given you the, 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 the freedom and the dignity of your choice. Right. But it's, it's just. Yeah. How can it be fair or how can a loving God do that? Because he's also just. Yeah. He's loving and he's just. Yeah. He's, so here's the great news. No one ever has to go there. Yes. <laughs> through, praise be to God. Through Jesus Christ. That's the loving part. Yeah. Love and justice, forgiveness and mercy all met on that cross. Yeah. On, on Good Friday, which is coming up soon, soon. as we, we record this podcast right. in about yeah. three weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, none of us have to, as you know, two weeks. Oh, yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah. None of us have to ever go to this place. None of us ever, God's love right. and his justice were both satisfied in Christ. That's right. the, that's how a loving God can do it. How can right. a loving God be just? By giving us Jesus on the cross. Right. By he himself becoming man for us so that we ourselves would not need to bear the punishment of our own rebellion. Yep. Yeah, hell hell is just because of the nature of the sin, the choosing to basically have nothing to do with meaningful to do with God your whole life. Yeah. That that hell is just. Yeah. Again, it's separation from him, but God is loving, and he doesn't want that for us. Yeah. But he won't he won't force us to love him because yeah. forced love is a contradiction in terms. So what he's doing is he comes down as a human, he loves us. He's trying to woo rebels. Right. He's trying to, to win our hearts through love, and, and the, the greatest expression of love is self-sacrifice, right. and we see that on the cross. He's trying to win our hearts. Yeah. He doesn't want robots. He wants people who love him and desire him, right. and some people just will, ne- like Stuart Mill and Mark Twain will never want that. He says, okay, yeah. that breaks my heart, but you can have that. Right. So, okay, so I think we have, let's just recap here in the last probably five, ten minutes that we have here. Again... This is the important part for us to all take away is that in our day and age, what you're going to run into is you're going to run into a lot of people out there that will say hell's not a real place. Uh, a loving God can't send a loving God can't be loving and send people to hell. Eternal damnation isn't fair. You have all of these points that we've made in this podcast and have in a brief moment have articulated a, at least the bare minimum, a response to those uh, criticisms, critiques, or, or skeptical uh, statements. And I think that it needs to be very clear that God is a loving God and that hell is, is, is a space for people to willingly choose to go there. And so I think that that if, so Randy, let's come back all the way to the very beginning of how could a loving God send people to hell? When somebody says that to me, I'm sitting at coffee. I'm like, hey, what do you think of God? What do you think of the Bible? What do you think of Jesus? What do you think of these things? What do you, how, when somebody says, well, how can you believe in a God that would send people to hell? What's our quick response? What's our bottom line response? 
I mean, my, my bottom line response is actually that, that there's no logical contradiction there. It, it's meant to create a contradiction. A loving God wouldn't do th- this thing. Yeah. And so it's, it's saying, like, when you, when you posit that he's loving and that there's a place called hell and people go there, he's, he's being unloving. Right. That's what I would want to unpack and say, actually, hell, I would say, I would correct them and say, well, God doesn't send anyone there. People yeah. choose to go there. And that's actually a loving thing for him to do yeah. because it's, a, it's also a just thing and God's a just God. But here's yeah. the great news. If you're truly worried about that for yourself, you don't have to go there. Yeah. And that anyone who's, I mean, it's, it's sort of um, cliche to almost to say, you know, that, um, you know, heaven would be hell for people who are in hell. Like they yeah. wouldn't want to be there, but it's. That's not cliche if that's true, right? If people who yep. don't want to go to heaven are forced to go to heaven, we're not saying literally that's hell for them, that the hell is them being in heaven forever. We're saying that God would not torture a person like that because that would be the ultimate unloving thing is to send somebody someplace they don't want to go. Yep. So trying to get them to think, to, to try to put a stone on their shoe, as Greg Hochul says, I, I would quickly mm-hmm. say, well, well, two things. One, um, hell is hell is just separation from God for all eternity. It's not a torture chamber. And two, God doesn't send anyone there. People choose to go there. Yeah. And he honors that choice because he loves us and he gives us free will. Yeah. But he doesn't want anyone to go there. And thanks be to Jesus Christ, through faith in him, we don't have to. Yeah. And that's what's really cool is I, I was actually sitting with a student. I, I don't think I told you about this yet, Randy. It was really cool. I was sitting with a student the other day. Um, and he asked me this question. He said, why aren't Christians, are Christians just Christians so they don't have to go to hell? And it was amazing. It was one of the most encouraging conversations I've had in a long time with a student because he was asking genuinely hard contemplative questions that this kid had been thinking about for a long time. And what I so appreciated about the question was then I turned to, I just turned to him. And I said, well, why are you a Christian? And with all sincerity, and this is what I love working with students is he goes, well, so I don't, so I don't go to hell. <laughs> and I go, Okay. And I unpacked all of the arguments that I know to discredit Christianity and to unpack the, well, that presupposes that Christianity is true and that you believe this stuff because uh, it's going to get you out of hell. What if it's false? What if this is wrong? What if the Bible is incorrect? What if all of these, what if we're believing a foolish lie? And what was so cool was at the end of the entire conversation was I then said, so why are you, so why are you a Christian? And it was no longer because I don't want to go to hell. It was because, well, this is true and God is my king. And that is the gospel. Not going to yeah. hell is a perk. It's a big one. It's a big one. <laughs> but it pales in comparison to the acknowledgement of our proper place in reality. And I think oftentimes of the Pharisee that's up at the t- in front of the temple that Jesus is talking about who says, thank God that I'm not like this sinner. But then there's the tax collector at the back of the building beating his chest and saying, God, forgive me for I am nothing but a sinner. And that one goes home justified. Yes. Yep. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about this doctrine of hell is that the doctrine of hell has hope to it. And the hope of the doctrine of hell is that no one has to go there. Like you said, praise be to praise be to God. Yeah, that, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, gospel means good news, and Tim Keller makes the point: you can't know how good the good news is to understand how bad the bad news is. And hell's on the, the bad news <laughs> side of, of or the, the balance or the, the, that side of the equation. Yeah. It's this is where you're ultimately going. Yeah. 
um, if you continue in an, un- I mean, that's how John the Baptist and Jesus begin their ministry. Repent. Yeah. Yes. So the kingdom of heaven is near. Yes. So they're, they're, it's, you're turning away from hell and turning towards heaven in repenting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. fundamentally. So it's, yeah, it's part of the equation. It's certainly valid to motivate you to seek a savior. It's hell is part of recognizing just how spiritually perilous your situation is apart from a savior like Jesus. Yeah. Because that's where, you know, either you pay for your sins forever. That's hell. Yeah. In a, in a way, um, and not in a small way, or Jesus pays for them. Yeah. What's it going to be? Right. Man, uh, gosh, if there's nothing else that we've walked away from today, it's that Christianity has the good news of no one has to go to hell. And so if you're listening to this and you have questions or you want to talk to us more about this, do not hesitate to call text email the you can uh our my email is in the show notes um you can uh reach out to us in any way about questions you can comment on the episode um we would love to continue to have a conversation because this is the crux this is the point of christianity it's that god wants you to 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 enjoy him forever to 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 i don't want to say attain but to uh, embody your purpose in all of reality, and that is to enjoy God forever, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. And praise be to God that He has allowed us to be able to do that via His own sacrifice. And so again, this statement cannot it cannot be overstated. No one has to go to hell. No mm-hmm. one is forced to go to hell. Um, and so all you have to do is bow your knee to Jesus and he will save you. And that's the beautiful thing about Christianity, man, Randy, I know this is a lot, but I can't thank you enough for the past 45 minutes, just sitting with us and talking to us about this doctrine. It's hard. I cannot thank you enough for all of the reading and all of the study you do, man. Thanks for doing this with us. My pleasure. And if um, you want to still go back around to this or talk about heaven or oh, talk, yeah. about, talk more about hell, we can, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. We've just scratched the surface of the surface. There, I've <laughs> yeah. got the whole pile of books in front of me that yeah. you know, the audience can't can't see. Obviously, yeah. I mean, multiple books on multiple views of hell and yep. um, theological, systematic theology texts and apologetics texts. Yeah. There's a lot. Again, it's been written about this. Yeah. So you know, please, if you want book recommendations or ideas on where to go yeah. next or what to read, just yeah. to unpack it better or get answer get answers to different questions we didn't cover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we can do another podcast or yeah. I can also put all of I will be putting all of these resources into the show notes uh, to help you guys be able to dive further because that's the other thing that this podcast is for it's uh, for you to know and own your own faith uh, and to do that in a way that is meaningful uh, and allows you to shine the light of Christ in every situation so yeah again Randy thank you so much man. my pleasure thank you alright like subscribe share all of that nonsense we'll see you guys later later